Blackbird, episode number three. My name is James, and today I am joined by entrepreneur Alex Hatch. When Alex's state was locked down last year, she realized that <laughs> there is nowhere to get her legs waxed. Uh, and so that was the impetus for her to start this awesome company called Mantafly. Um, Mantafly is a way for cosmetology professionals to uh, market themselves as sort of independent practitioners. Um, so that's kind of what we get into in this conversation, along with just her journey um, as uh, a divorced single mom to become self-sufficient as an entrepreneur. Um, it's a very inspirational and kind of cool story. So I think you're going to enjoy it. Before we get into the interview with Alex, let me tell you about Paloma Verde CBD. Um, so Carlos uh, is a friend of mine from Facebook. Uh, he lives in San Antonio, Texas. He and his wife founded a CBD company last year um, before the before the lockdowns. Um, they have switched to online sales, and this is the greatest CBD that I've ever tried. Um, I used to vape the stuff. I've taken the pills and that sort of thing. Um, he sent me a little sample pack with gummies and tinctures and creams. Um, it just so happened that I had a really, really bad neck tweak um, right around the new year, and uh, this stuff helped me. I rubbed it in and, um, my neck kind of loosened up. I, the pain especially was alleviated. Um, and so I can vouch for it that it worked for me. Um, and then also the mint tincture is probably my favorite thing. Um, it tastes delicious. I take two droppers full every morning. Um, and, uh, it really seems to just help out. If you're interested in learning more or making a purchase from a fellow traveler in sort of our movement, um, head over to PalomaVerdeStore.com. Use the coupon code BLACKBIRD at checkout and you will get 25% off your order. I'll make sure to put a link in the show notes. And with that, here is my interview with Alex Hatch. All right, Alex Hatch, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, James, for having me. Yeah, for sure. So I heard you on Thad Russell's podcast, um, and I was very intrigued by sort of your uh, business idea. And then we chatted for a little while and got some of your backstory. Um, so I wanted to have you on the show just to kind of introduce yourself to my community. Um, so why don't you why don't you do that? Introduce yourself. Sure. Yes. Thank you. Um, my name is Alex Hatch, and I am starting a company called Mantafly. It's a virtual meeting place, a virtual marketplace for clients to find mobile beauty professionals in their area. Uh, I'm a libertarian and uh, yeah, I guess um, I was really, I was really bothered by the shutdown this summer and all of the unemployment and uh, wanted to do something about that. So this project is doing something about that. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, I spent some I spent some years in the industry, so uh, this idea of sort of like an Uber for cosmetologists has always been on my mind. Um, and I'm glad someone's finally doing it. What a what what's your kind of backstory? How'd you get involved in the in the liberty community or movement or whatever? Oh, that's a good question. Um, my dad is a libertarian, so and my mom is a Republican. So I kind of grew up in a household that uh, was like um, embraced liberty, right? 
Um, and then I would see them debate, my mom and my dad, and I would see my dad debate other people. I didn't really think much about it as a kid growing up. It was just politics were boring and annoying. It wasn't until I went to college and I read um, The Fountainhead. Atlas, uh, I read Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged, but Fountainhead first. And um, that's kind of when um, the fire lit and I became more involved and I joined an objectivist club there. <laughs> I know that's controversial. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm a, I'm sort of an anti-Randian, uh, but ah. that's that's but that's fairly new. And uh, I'm not super duper well versed in her uh, in her philosophy, I guess. But uh, I, I'm just I'm sort of anti-big business, which is why I love this thing that you're doing, um, getting sort of independent people doing their yes. doing their things independently. Oh, so that's a fun debate to have because um, one of the reasons I'm starting Mantifly is I really, my biggest passion is helping kids. I really want to help kids uh, and spread the idea of respectful parenting, which is, I have a lot of radical views across the board. <laughs> and uh, I've wanted to open up alternative schools and spread this idea so many times. And I always think of um, businesses, I can start to do that. And this is the first time that I saw an opportunity to start a business that could lead to something great enough that would give me the funds to actually make the change that I want to make. So I kind of see business, big business as this, this amazing way that you can actually make a positive change in the world. That's a, Yeah. I mean, that sounds awesome. I, uh, I'm, I'm more, I'm more opposed to like the, the skyscraper corporations than the, than, you know, who, whose main goal is to maximize shareholder value rather than help kids or even provide, you know, a, a good service or product for the, for the consumers. Um, yeah. I would say the problem with that is, is not so much the big corporations with the shareholders maximizing shareholder value, but it's more so, um, the crony capitalism, right? Like the problems I think with most of those yeah. corporations are that they're in bed with the government and they're getting special treatment and then they're screwing over everyone else. Yeah, for sure. I think that's the, that's definitely the biggest, the biggest issue. And, um, the, the problem is I think the, and I've gone over this on the show before. So people who have listened to all my episodes probably are tired of it or God argued with me on Facebook. I'm so annoying there. Um, <laughs> Uh, the problem with it is that there's so much that is sort of a de facto government subsidy that we don't see. Um, libertarians, and especially in sort of the Rand slash maybe Rothbard traditions, tend to underestimate even even how much just roads. And I know that's sort of a sort of a cliche. Uh, libertarians who hate roads, but uh, you know, I mean, the fact that the fact that the state has laid down all this infrastructure for Amazon to take advantage of um, is an issue, as far as I'm concerned. That is something that allowed Jeff Bezos to become a trillionaire, or you know, whatever it is that he is now. Um, on the other hand, if you're if you're starting a business that directly competes with the state, well, that's great. Which uh, sounds like that's kind of up your alley. Um, yes. what, so, okay. You, so you were in college, you joined the, you joined the objectivists. Um, 
so then what happened? Um, I, I, uh, I majored in economics. I graduated from college. I thought it was a huge waste of time and money. Um, and I've always had this entrepreneurial bug. Like there's these ideas I have all the time, just yeah. constantly coming up. And what I do is I talk myself out of them every single time. Uh, I like to tell a story <laughs> right after college, uh, I graduated in 2004. I said, you know what? Someone needs to start. And I wanted to start it a fancy pants. I call it fancy pants, ketchup business. <laughs> <'Cause an ego laughs> is that, is that even fancier than fancy ketchup? Yeah, no, it is fancy. I could say fancy pants, but uh -huh. just fancy. Yep. Yes. Yeah, so uh, in economics, we learned that in times of recession, lipstick sales went up and you would think, why would that go up when that's a luxury item that's not necessary? And the idea is people always want to feel good about themselves. So it was a cheap way for them to feel good about themselves. And I had seen mustards explode and uh, pasta sauces explode. And I thought these are that's the lipstick, right? That's the cheap way for people to feel like they're getting something special. And it's just a matter of time before ketchup starts doing it too. And I started making all these fancy ketchups and I had these ketchup tasting parties <laughs> oh and I tried gosh. to get my sister involved and I was like, let's do this together. But no, I couldn't talk anyone to doing into doing it with me and I didn't want to do it alone. So I gave up. And uh, now when you go to the grocery store, you see uh, fancy ketchups. <laughs> I know that's that it's it's kind of funny like we used to make fun of fancy ketchup but now they're all fancy uh yeah and some of them are expensive as hell too um yeah. okay so uh that's very relatable um I have <laughs> I have spent so much money on courses for starting online businesses and uh you know just had all kinds of off-the-wall crazy ideas just like that um I never thought about ketchup though. Maybe because homemade ketchup always tastes gross. So I, I figure I don't know how to, I don't know how to make ketchup and I wouldn't want to learn, but, uh, um, okay. Have you ever started uh, any other businesses besides Mantafly? No, no, I have ideas all the time. And I've, I've gotten these bugs where I'll obsess about it for a month or two, but I've never gone as far as throwing this much money into it and, um, incorporating like we are an LLC now. Um, I mean, the hours and the money I've spent on Mantafly, I've never, I've never gone this far. So this is the, this is the project I'm most passionate about. And it feels right. Like it, it feels like this needs yeah. to happen. I feel like it can help a lot of people. So yeah, everything about Mantafly has, has been like just screaming, you have to do it. If you don't, you have to do this, right? That's what I'm doing. It's really awesome. Uh, what so? What was it that made you decide to go down this route, other th rather than making fancy ketchups or some other off the wall business idea? Oh, uh, <laughs> okay, that's a good question. Let's see. So um, this summer, uh, well, okay. So a couple, a lot of big life changes happened this summer. I mean, it happened for everyone, right, with the lockdowns and COVID. Yeah, and you're in California, um, right? Yes. So you had it even worse than a lot of us. Yep. Yeah. No, it's ridiculous. It's so sad. My brother-in-law is a tattoo artist and he has a family of four that he's the sole provider of and they're struggling. And I just like, um, it hurts. It's so sad to see what's happening to normal people, 
right? To people who just want to work, to make a living, to keep their businesses going, Mm -hmm. to provide for their families. The whole idea um, that the government could choose who is essential and who's not essential is offensive. Uh, So that, you know, that was a big piece for why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, But like kind of, it also started because in April, my husband and I split So we moved to different houses and um, I kind of was faced with, you know, divorce and having to, having two kids that I need to provide for and figure out what I'm going to do. Cause I've been a housewife for seven years, Mm -hmm. longer than that, but stay at home mom for over seven years. Uh, This, this app seemed like a, good way for me to uh, hopefully be able to provide a service that people need um, to hopefully provide an income for me to support my family. And it was also the only business idea I had that seemed like, I think it can scale very quickly Mm -hmm. and scale to the point that it can create a lot of wealth, which then I can turn around and do what I love, which is helping kids and spread the idea of respectful parenting. So of all my passions and all these life changes, this was kind of the one idea that came along that seemed like the best idea I've had so far. And it came at the right time, just all the, everything aligned. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's how I ended up kind of where I am now. Yeah, that's awesome. So describe describe the Mantafly app for us, um, so that we can so that you know everybody kind of knows what it is. Yes. Okay. So um, it's an application that you download to your phone. Um, you can register as a client or a vendor. A uh, vendor is right now anyone in the beauty industry at all. Uh, eventually, I want to expand to other services, but right now. The services listed on it are, you know, hair, makeup, um, skincare. I have uh, body art on there. What else? Um, anyone who sells beauty products can go on there and sell their beauty products. Uh, you go on, you make a profile, and you're, you can choose um, your service range. So as a vendor... And if you have a salon, you can also advertise your salon there. It's totally free. So Mm -hmm. I can go on and I say, hey, I have a salon. This is my salon. I also offer traveling services for a fee. And if you download it, the app in your area as a client, you can see who all the vendors service your area. This is a, so that's a great way for um, cosmetologists and, you know, even I guess your tattoo artist brother-in-law, uh, to kind of skirt the lockdown restrictions if they wanted to. Um, yeah. So, not, you know, not, not, not speaking as, you know, an official representative of Mantafly or anything like that, but. Uh, right. I mean, yeah, they could. The, 
All opinions here are my own. Um, as Alex Hatch, I'm not speaking as a representative of the company on your podcast. Thank you for reminding me of that. Um, my brother-in-law is the one who helped me uh, come up with a lot of the features needed. And he's the one who said, you know, these are some of the pain points I have. And I was like, oh, I think I can, I can fix that. I can do something about that. Um, yes, right now, I personally believe that most people do not care about um, a lot of these oppressive government regulations. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, when I'm building my app, I'm not putting a lot of effort into verifying these things because I don't think people actually care. Sure. Um, so, so if you if you if you download the app. You have to agree to the terms and conditions in the privacy policy, which of course state that everyone must follow the law. Um, and then you can self-report your licensing status in the app. And we take people who are licensed. We take people who are in training. You do, it's totally free. You do not have to pay through the app. In fact, a lot of these services are, um, they're totally legal for you to do to yourself to do to a friend um, or a stranger. The legality lies, lies with the um, financial transaction. So we allow people on the platform to be there and with each other without making a financial transaction. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, speaking of financial transactions, would you ever, or does it have payment processing built into the app? Is that something that you facilitate? Yes, it does. Right now we are set up with Stripe. And if someone does choose to use the payment process um, in the app, there's a 5% fee that comes out on the client side. So a lot of how I uh, figured out how to set up this app, I think a lot about incentives, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of I think like government failures are, they just don't have, the incentives aren't aligned. Anytime incentives aren't aligned, then things kind of fall apart. So I thought, how can I build a community where the incentives are aligned? And one of them is make the payment option totally optional, right? I did um, this summer, I because I moved, I hired someone from TaskRabbit to move this like really heavy desk uh, it was like a big table hutch thing <laughs> that I have. And it's, I'm in California, I'm in Walnut Creek. The desk was in Alameda and uh, to use TaskRabbit, I think I had to pay, I had to pay through TaskRabbit and I think they charge 10% fee. Uh, so I found someone to hire them and they were like, oh, just give me a call and we'll discuss the project. I called him and he wanted to um, circumvent the fee oh. and have me just pay cash outside of the app. That's a great idea. I didn't idea. feel comfortable doing that. So I kind of said, oh, thanks, I'll go with someone else. But I realized there's a huge incentive for people to, to not want to do that, right? So I thought, if I'm building an app, why make that required? Why not make something that's so convenient that people want to use are willing to use on their own and they don't need to be tricked into it. Another thing I thought of is uh, you don't need to trick people into giving you their money. If they like the service or the product that you're providing, they'll give it to you freely and happily, right? So the best transactions are the ones that everyone feels like they've their, their head, that they got something that they wanted. Um, 
So when I built the app, I thought, you know what, okay, I'm not going to make it required for people to pay through the app, which is different, like TaskRabbit, um, a lot of them require payment through the app. I was going to charge a very small percentage. Um, Stripe is keeping 3% of that 5% fee and I get 2%. It's not much. It's probably not even going to pay for the cost of the app or maintenance for a while, but I figure, you know, then... Um, what I need is to scale quickly and lots of people to make this work and to help yeah, the most amount sure. of people. And that's when it will become profitable. So I'll leave it at that. Uh, then the other thing that I thought of to align incentives was uh, clients. Clients are the ones who are most likely to pay a convenience fee, right? Then the providers, the providers are the ones who are struggling most. So I thought, well, I'll take the percentage fee cut from the client side. So it's kind of like going to a store and seeing a sign that there'll be a 5% charge if you use a credit card. I mean, how often have you gone somewhere and you're like, oh yeah, I mean, I don't have cash or I don't really want to use my cash. I'm going to use my credit card. It's easier and I'll accept the 5% fee. Yeah. Cool. So uh, is that the only way you're monetizing or um, will you be like selling premium memberships or courses or anything like that? Uh, right now, that's the only way that we're monetizing, but I have ideas to monetize uh, different ways in the future, like creating a scheduling, because we don't have any sort of like scheduling um, feature in the app, but it would be great if the vendors could say like, oh, these are the hours I'm open, and then clients could go in and say like, oh, I'll schedule this time, or another way to monetize would be um, if if clients don't want to go through and see who in their area offers all the services and what their prices are. Uh, they could kind of put a job out and then uh, vendors can go on and see what jobs are listed and then they can go apply for those jobs, kind of like care.com, mm -hmm. um, something like that. There's also, if I get enough people on there, um, I could sell like Yelp does where you get like a top billing. So if, if I search for haircuts in my area and you pay a certain fee, then you might pop up first, you know, but those all, all those monetization uh, methods, I think are going to happen later after we've gained traction and have like a pretty good amount of people on the app right now. I'm just trying to get this out, out there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Uh, what about liability? Um, I, like say the stylist is on site at someone's house and you know, they, cut their ear off or something like that. How do you, uh, how do you stay uh, uh, away from all of that above the kind of above the liability fray? Right. So I've talked to um, some lawyers and I've talked to my insurance company for the business and they've all said that I'm not liable because I am just a meeting place. So it would be like you holding Craigslist responsible for someone coming to your home and doing something that's not okay. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure some people might try to hold Craigslist responsible, but when you use Craigslist, you're agreeing to their terms and conditions and in our terms terms and conditions, we're strictly a meeting place. Not only are we strictly a meeting place, we're not even taking any money at all for any service offered, right? You could be on our platform providing service for a fee and we get nothing out of it. Um, so I think that even removes us one step, one step further. This is also what's exciting about this is it also decreases our costs. 
So when we, when we, when I bought insurance for the company, I was worried I would need liability insurance because we would like DoorDash, Uber, they all need liability insurance because they have so many private contractors working underneath them. Um, but none of the people in, on Mantafly will be like private contractors of Mantafly. They're right. going to be their own business. They're working for themselves. So really we're kind of Craigslist, but better because there is, um, uh, you're, you're validated as a person, you have a profile. So we validate your email address and your phone number. That profile will be stuck to you. You get reviews, you can read reviews. Um, as a vendor, you can even respond to reviews. So there's kind of this um, motive to do what's right, right? To provide a good service because you're only hurting yourself if you're not. Yeah, that makes a, that makes a ton of sense. So, um, un, unlike you know, it's not like they're going to be hiring a Mantafly stylist. Uh, unlike you know, they're calling an Uber or a Lyft driver. Um, it's just this stylist happened to advertise on Mantafly or whatever. Um, how'd you come up with the name? What does Mantafly mean? <laughs> uh, Mantafly is. Um... I was originally going to name Mantafly BT2G, which was short for beauty treatments to go.com. Uh, I really wanted a .com. So a lot of figuring out the name was just what .coms are available. Well, it turns out there are not a lot of .coms available, especially ones that are short that are real words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. That's a, that's <laughs> That's been the bane of my existence for the past month. So there we go. Yes. Yeah. That was the big major thing. So this summer I came up with this idea in June. I immediately found someone to start um, building the app and they started working on it. And then I went through, like, I was trying to figure out the name and the logo and all this other stuff. Um, my sister, the reason I didn't go with BT2G was it was hard to remember. And I read an article that said, what if Amazon was named onlinebooks.com? Like, would it actually be the big giant that it is today? And I thought, oh no, right? Uh, and so they said, never name your business anything that limits it, you know? So right. Well, free care would limit it a ton. I couldn't do that. <laughs> so I thought, and then when I read that, that's when I had that big aha moment of, we can do more than just beauty. We can start there and then expand to these other services. Um, so, so I decided, okay, change the name. We need to change the name. And my sister had the idea to look through uh, Audubon Society. I have a whole bunch of Audubon Society books, like, like the birds and the insects and the rocks and the weather patterns. A runner up was uh, Parhelius, parhelius.com is not taken or at least wasn't when I checked. And apparently that's a weather pattern. I didn't know, but the books, it's a weather pattern when um, there's like a partial halo that looks like parentheses around the sun. So if you look at the sun, sometimes there's a halo around it. Oh, yeah. And when there's a partial one, it's Parhelius. So that was a runner up. <laughs> Um, but Mantafly is the one that won. Uh, oh, another close runner up was Bombardier Beetle. Bombardierbeetle.com, not spelled the correct way, but spelled more phonetically, uh, was not taken. That was a runner up. But we went with Mantafly, and there is no such thing as Mantafly. There is such thing as Mantidfly, which is a wasp. 
But oh. I thought if I took out the D, it sounds pretty. And I liked that it was made up and I could kind of just make it what it is. Also, it's a little easier to remember. Um, yeah. And it's just kind of, kind of people I can, yeah, it was really, I could make it, I could make it what I wanted to. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah, I, I was thinking like praying mantis and butterfly or something like that. Um, some, some kind of combo. So yeah. Uh, Speaking of the, speaking of those parentheses around the sun here in Minnesota, where, you know, it's like negative 30 sometimes in the winter, um, we call them sun dogs. It's, it's like a phenomenon that I've seen before. Um, Dog ears was another, yes. Parhelius, I believe was like the scientific term or one of the terms, but yes, it said that in the Audubon Society book too. It said dog ears was another name. They're really pretty. Uh, but that would have been very difficult to remember. So I'm glad that you went with, with Mantafly instead. Um, you said that you were going to potentially open it up to other industries. I could see, I mean, anybody, massage therapists and chiropractors and personal chefs and, you know, mechanics, all of that. What, uh, why'd you start with, why'd you start with the beauty industry? I started with the beauty industry because that was a service that I wanted this summer. I really, I hate shaving. (laughs) (laughs) I hate shaving, so I I wax. Um, And I wanted to be able to wear, you know, skirts and shorts in the summer. Um, But all of the salons were closed. And I kept thinking, man, if I had someone that I knew who does waxing, then I could get my legs waxed and wear uh, skirts and dresses. Um, I found over the summer that most of the people I knew were wanting these services and many of them were receiving these services, um, by providers that were either friends or they've befriended because they've gone to for a long time. I moved to new city, so I didn't know anyone. Uh, and yeah, I, I thought, this is, this is really hard. It's really hard to find people who can do this. I realized uh, people were advertising on Craigslist and Instagram. There's not like Craigslist has its problems and Instagram, you can't easily search for who in your area Mm -hmm. is offering these services. Um, So I thought if I made a meeting place for people to more easily find each other, then that could help a lot of people. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I had a Lyft driver. Um, we were, I guess we were going to a bar or something like that right after everything reopened. And he had, a, he had, he was also a personal trainer and he had been making house calls to his like super high end clients. Um, so something like this would have been super helpful for him, I think, probably. Um, well, great. Uh, so, what, uh, what, what do you think the next industry you'll open it up to is? Or, or is, is it just going to be like, this is your beta and then you're just going to open it up to whoever, is there going to be gatekeeping? Um, by gatekeeping, you mean like, uh, like by industry, you know, um, that's a good question right now. The app is set up where you have to select a service that's predetermined in the app Mm. when I when I was talking about this with the developers this summer, I wanted people to be able to write in whatever service they wanted. So it could just populate with anything, which means anyone would be able to, uh, to open up a profile and just kind of put what they're selling in the profile. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess 
I've never done this before. And I did a lot of research on startups and these, and these kinds of applications. And everyone says I have to start as small as possible, right? So mm -hmm. get a small local area with a niche service, gain traction, and then slowly expand. Um, a piece of me wonders though, if, I mean, when the app is available, anyone can use it in the United States. It's being released across. I can't, I can't say only release an app to California. Right. Um, so it's going to be released everywhere. So um, I kind of wonder if just people really want this right now. There's a lot of people who are struggling. So I, I'm wondering what will happen when we go live. Like, I think it has the potential to go viral and explode faster than um, other apps that have tried to do this, right? It's gonna, as far as I can tell, it's gonna go faster than Uber or DoorDash or Instacart because all of them rely on a certain amount of providers before they can open up to an area. With this app, the scalability can happen much faster because it's just up to people finding out about it, right? Mm -hmm. For sure. And so if someone in an area goes, oh, that sounds interesting, I'll open up a profile and then tells 10 of their friends, then that can, and then though they tell some of their friends. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens once we go live. Well, and as close-knit as the as the beauty industry is, I think that's probably a great industry to start in. Um, every stylist knows every other stylist in their in their cities. So they'll at least be talking about it, although I anticipate you'll get a lot of pushback. Um, having, having spent so long in the industry, I know how competitive people are, uh, with one another, the stylists, they call it being catty. Um, but I mean, yeah. And that's, that's kind of what it is. They, they, they love each other, but they hate each other at the same time. Uh, and it's, and it's almost uniform. I know it sounds like a stereotype, but, uh, you, you hear about it everywhere. Um, how, how are you, or will you be marketing it? Um, actually, I wanted to mention that I was expecting a lot more pushback and I'm sure it's coming. I'm, I call it the shit storm. I'm like it's coming. <laughs> but uh, I was surprised at how little pushback I got when I first started advertising. And I think it's because I started advertising during the shutdown this summer. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I think is really important is to remain true to myself and my moral beliefs, right? So I actually made a couple advertisements advertising the um, why I thought the shutdown was wrong and that we should save our salons and keep our salons open. And so I got some people following us who are salon owners or they work in salons and I didn't receive a lot of pushback even though it was clear on my profile um, what we do. Um, I expect, of course, that's going to change once we go live and more and more people find out about us. Sure. Um, what was the question that you asked after that? You asked, I got sidetracked and answered that, that last. Oh, I asked, I asked how you were, how you were marketing it. Where, do, where are you advertising? Uh, I have, uh, social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And, oh, great. And, I'll make sure to, I'll make sure to get those from you and, and put links so that people can follow you. Thank you. Um, yeah. So I'm doing that now. I'm trying to figure out 
I'm trying to figure out how to make content and get people to notice me and what kind of content to, to make that's relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, I was running advertising on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, but it was expensive and I didn't have an app to download. So I kind of felt like it wasn't worth it. So right now I'm not running any ads until my website is updated. I actually, I did that interview with Thad Russell and uh, I have some people who volunteered to help me and they're helping me like rebuild my website um, and like helping me with the app and stuff. So that's been great. Um, As I think once the app gets closer to launch or right after launch, then I'll start advertising again. Uh, but until then, I'm just going to try and I'm going to try and figure out content to put out and p- keep letting people know that I'm here. <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah, you might you might also check LinkedIn. Um, I know a lot of salon owners are using LinkedIn uh, and yeah. also like the district managers for the bigger chains and stuff like that. Uh, they're all on there. Um, have you heard from any of the big chains that uh, have like franchisees or anything like that reached out? No, for the most part, everyone's silent. Like I'll comment on things and I've written people personally. Uh, most of the time I get no response at all. Um, a couple of times I get a response because I've said like, oh, you can advertise your salon on my website for free and offer traveling um, services for a fee. Uh, and, and the ones that have gotten back to me said, oh, no, thank you. Not at this time. <laughs> uh, I've had a couple negative responses, but... Um, for the most part, it's been overwhelmingly positive or nothing at all. Well, that's not bad then. Uh, what, so are you, are you going to be primarily targeting independent stylists or salon owners, or, I mean, would you, would you consider partnerships with the, with the chains? Most of the chains are franchise owned. So um, they probably have something in their franchise agreements that don't let them work with third parties like you. But, uh, you know, I mean, is that something that you'd consider? Or I, I guess this isn't really, this is t- too complicated a question. What's your, what's your primary target audi- audience going to be? My guess is it's going to be individuals. I would totally be open to working with, um, with chains or uh, what, um, you know, different salons. Cause if you have a salon then you have several people working, um, for you. Uh, but I don't want to change the application. I think the way that the application is set up right now can help the most amount of people. So I'll be very wary if someone comes in and says, Oh, Hey, I'll give you lots of money and let's change these things. Um, <laughs> so that's one reason I've been funding it all myself and yeah. doing, yeah, is to kind of, cause I, I feel like the things that can help the most people is just letting people live. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll take suggestions, but, uh, don't, don't, uh, don't try to buy your, uh, buy your changes, I suppose. Per- right. ma- purchase your changes. I mean, um, so, uh, yeah, is the, so do you have like a go live date or a goal go live date? I know how that is, but oh, man. So we were supposed to, the, the guy who's building the app, 
uh, said it would be ready at the end of August. <laughs> it is really far away <laughs> from August. Wait, do you uh, mean do you mean he it was going to be ready August 2020 or like the next August? No, like it was supposed to be ready like oh. this month. Yeah. Okay. And so every month I go this month, this month, this month. We're getting really close. I don't I don't know if it will be ready by December, but I'm starting to think with the, the political climate in cases of COVID rising, it might just make sense to wait until January. I don't want like a PR nightmare of people pissed off if I try and launch before things settle down. <laughs> I don't know. My sister's like, launch, people need it, launch. But uh, but I yeah, do I, need- I can't uh, imagine that would be, a, that would be too much of a nightmare if it's ready. Uh, I think I think people want haircuts and waxes and just a little pampering more than they more than they want to virtue signal about their about their covid frets so exactly and people are doing it already i mean that's it's just it's happening it's just really hard to find for the people who want those services to find the people who are willing to offer those services um yeah the, the problem is uh did you get the bill did i send you the latest build Yes, I think so. I've got it in test flight on iOS. Did you look at it? I haven't. I haven't gotten to open it yet. I started taking notes on um, the build before this most recent one. Uh, okay. And I haven't sent them to you yet, but. Uh, okay, so so it's it's getting close. It's just like there's little things that aren't ready. So for example, like um, in some of the areas on the app, the pictures get distorted when you when you upload them. And so I'm kind of just afraid, like if I launch something that's not working quite right, then people are gonna go, what is that? This person even for real and delete it and then never, you know, never wanna download it or try it again. So I need something that's like good enough that that works well enough to provide the service that people need that mm -hmm. I wanna provide, right? Um, yeah, so I don't know, it's a balance, it's a balance. I'm reading the lean startup right now and they're like, release it buggy with lots of problems. And then <laughs> if you love it, we'll, we'll tell you what's wrong with it. <laughs> yeah. There's a, I mean, there's a fine line between the minimum viable product and like super buggy software. I, I, I'm probably, maybe I, maybe I uh, fall somewhere between the two, but yeah, if, if images are getting distorted and stuff like that, that's probably not for the best, especially, you know, images in a beauty oriented app. Yes. Um, you'd want them to, you'd want, you'd want them to, <laughs> to have beautiful images at the very least. Uh, so is the app going to be the only way to access Mantafly or um, will it be accessible from the desktop webpage or anything like that? It is supposed to be a website and an application. Uh, that's what I paid for. This process has been incredibly slow. So uh, I told them because the web page was so far behind in terms of um, like the style and the development than the apps were, the apps were farther ahead. I told the team, I said, stop working on the website. Let's focus all our energy into getting the apps out there. And uh, that's, so that's what we're doing. So I think um, eventually, yes, it's going to be the website too, but initially it's probably just going to be the apps. Is your, uh, is your developer from a, like, is, is it like just somebody from freelancer.com or is it a actual development company or how's that, how's that working? Okay. I, uh, I went to guru.com 
and found, um, I posted a job there and the guy uh, found me, Mark Nichols, and he owns a company called um, Bonsai Technologies. He was the, the biggest quote and it was shocking uh, how much it was, but I went with him because I don't know the industry and I've never done this before. And he mm. sold me on the fact that he can hold my hand through this process and kind of help me. Whereas other quotes that I got were from developers who might not be able to see the big picture or um, help me with things that I don't know. Like I don't mm. know the tech language or anything like that. Um, so he has, he has been great at kind of helping me through this. Uh, and explaining things to me and putting up with my non-technical feedback where I'm like, <laughs> you know, what's, what's wrong with this? Why does it look like this? I don't know. And then they're like, oh, well maybe the server, blah, blah, blah. And I go, okay. <laughs> so there is a little bit of a, a disconnect there. Um, I have a couple of guys on the team now since dad's uh, interview who have joined and they're helping me bridge the gap a little bit. So I'm hoping that that speeds up the process. Oh, nice. What's kind of the price range that you got from those quotes? I just out of curiosity. I mean, I think I have obviously thought about starting apps and stuff like that. And I think a lot of people have. What is the what does the cost look like for something like that? Yeah. Uh I believe the cheapest was probably like two hundred dollars or something to build an app. But I saw that and I was just like, no way. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> There's absolutely no way. What, yeah. what, what, uh, so getting off of Fiverr.com, what what were some of the more like realistic quotes? I mean, are we in the tens of thousands of dollars? Yeah. So um, I am paying, uh, I think it's like $35,000 wow. to have this app built. That, okay, that's a, I think that's a little bit more than I thought, but it doesn't it doesn't seem yeah it doesn't seem astronomical, but uh yeah I guess I've always just kind of been curious as to what it would take to to kind of develop an app. Yes, I think um, if you know what you're doing, you could do it for a whole lot less. Sure. But uh, I'm I'm learning a lot. <laughs> 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 well, that's great. I'm glad that I'm glad that you were able to tap Thad's network. I know uh, I've kind of been in his his circles, um, even kind of traveling to to spend time with him and his and his kind of I don't know fan base, I guess. Nice. Uh, and yeah, there's some there's some there's some significant talent in there. Um, all right, great. Well, uh, why don't you why don't you plug away? But where where can people find you, Alex Hatch, and where can people find Mantafly online? Okay. Yes. If you want to get in touch with me, my email address is alex at mantafly.com. And um, you can find Mantafly uh, on all the social networking sites. Basically, any social networking site that I learn of, I go and I try and grab up Mantafly. Um, but the ones I'm most active on are Instagram, Twitter, and a little bit on Facebook. So Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook right now. Oh, and LinkedIn. I try. I always forget about LinkedIn, but I'm on LinkedIn. I do try and post there too. 
LinkedIn is my, uh, is my like primary social network for professional stuff. Um, although God, it has become as bad as Facebook this year with politics and, and cultural stuff. I, I've, I've always kind of gone there as sort of a respite from the Facebook drama. So, well, anyway, I really appreciate you joining me today. I'll make sure to put all the links, uh, in the description and best of luck to you. Um, maybe I'll, uh, I'll, I'll have you back for an update once you go live. Perfect. That'd be great. Okay, cool. Well, thanks <laughs> Thank so much. You. This has been great. Thank you. All right. Thanks again to Alex for joining me today. Uh, be sure to check her out at Mantafly and be sure to check out our sponsor today, Paloma Verde CBD. I will put links to all of that stuff in the show notes and I will see you next time. Until then, live free.